The reason that our country is in the mess that it is in today is not because of the Republicans, it's not because of the Democrats. Let me tell you this, it's because of lame Christians. There is a reproach that comes with being a follower of Christ. We in America have tried to reshape the whole church so that it's palatable and likable in the culture. A church that is accepted well with the culture is usually not accepted well with Christ. The church is a fortress, and a fortress is strength. A fortress is might. Not only a center of defense, but a place of strategic planning and offense. Our God does not expect us to wait for the darkness to enclose around us. He expects us to take up His banner and fight the darkness with His light. You want to know what the biggest problem with America is? The wolf is this country. Gave in. Gave in to public pressure. Gave in to political correctness. One of the greatest curses this country has ever had to deal with is political correctness. Preparing the Christian to shine the light against the darkness of this world. Welcome to Our Mighty Fortress Podcast. I'm your host, Ron Miller, and welcome to the show. We have an interesting subject to cover today, but first, please go ahead and hit that follow or subscribe button on the podcast platform which you're listening to us upon. We do have many social media platforms with all sorts of uh, material that you can listen to and read and really develop your walk with God. Check us out at our fan page on Facebook when you type in at Mighty Fortress 313. We do have a YouTube channel as well. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and notification bell to help the channel grow. You can also take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com. There we have a host of media that you can find articles with various subjects you can read about and will definitely help you, as well as videos and even a link to our merch store to help support the work. Of course, if you do feel so motivated to donate to the work that we do here, feel free to do so through our website and the established PayPal link. If, of course, we've helped you in some way through our work, you can go and tell us about it through email at OurMightyFortress at gmail.com. By following and supporting the podcast, you let me know that you care about the subjects that we discuss. Today, I want to talk about a question that is often asked amongst Christians as they're trying to pursue after God and what he expects. This question is going to revolve around in our modern age more specifically, what is it is that is sin or not sin in the eyes of God? What is biblical doctrine or what is just preference of man? Now, this is definitely not a new question that just pertains to our, you know, our modern times because there have been many points in history in which new things have arisen uh, and churches, you know, try to decide whether it's worth bringing it into the church or not. But how do you make those kind of decisions, especially with the various types of technology that we have in our modern age? Think about it, whether it's from speakers or loud, loud systems to uh, some type of church lights or screens, etc. What about the various standards, just as in say modesty or the like the idea of doctrine or preference 
goes right into the subject of music, which is a huge, massive debate today. I did a podcast recently on music and some of its roots. I can help. But this particular subject revolves around well, how we're going to know the doctrine or preference category. I mean, is there right or wrong defined by God for our daily living? The crux of this podcast is going to adhere to the subject of biblical authority. But we're going to have to have a nice little theology lesson that's going to have to come before it. And it deals with the Word of God and does it have answers for us in our modern times. We can find this answer. And I do believe that we can start with the book of Proverbs on this. With that introduction, let's get right into this. On the subject of doctrine or preference and how to know the difference between the two, we need to have answers as Christians. I mean, every single person that I've known uh, who's a born-again Christian has asked questions about this subject. The more notable questions have to do with, let's just say, the local church and how it's run. Should a Christian consume alcohol or the subject of music? A lot of times the idea of the Bible having gray areas might arise. There is a common misconception among Christians and even so-called theologians about the law of God. What do I mean? There are many, many who think that whatever commands were given in the Old Testament are not applicable in the New Testament. This is essentially the view that we're only to follow what the New Testament says as Christians and basically you can just take the Old Testament, cut it out of your Bible and that or just read it for story time, but we don't really need it anymore. Now I know I kind of made that a little too simplified, but that's really what it is. Have you ever heard the statement when you let's just say in the subject of alcohol and whether a Christian should drink it or not, or the modern discussion going on about marijuana and should we and should Christians be able to smoke it? Well, the common response is, well, we're not living in the Old Testament. We're free uh, in the New Testament, and we have Christian liberty. Well, is it really that simple? Just saying we have liberty or Christian liberty, does that really answer the question? Or is it an easy cop-out? There are plenty of things that are reiterated in the New Testament that started in the Old Testament. Do we just take those points and throw out the rest? I mean, who's making the decisions anyways as to what we keep or not keep? Now, God does have a special rhyme and reason for everything he says to do, not to do, or does himself. And I believe we can see that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But that really dives into a completely different subject. But the idea is that we can know for sure what God thinks about particular subjects. And I don't believe that there are gray areas at all. One of the things that I love about God is that he is consistent. He does have a perfect rhyme and reason to what he says to do or not to do. But here's the thing. It's bound around principle. And these principles are reiterated throughout the entirety of Scripture. This is how God allows us to know 
what is right or wrong without literally having to spell out every single thing for every single generation. I mean, think about it. How long would the Bible be if God had to spell out absolutely everything? Well, he doesn't have to because all things narrow down to certain points or certain principles. I want to read parts of the book of Proverbs chapter 4 because it's going to give us an idea of how we should think about being wise because this very much pertains to the subject of deciding whether something is doctrine or preference as Christians. So it says in uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 1, Hear ye, O children, the instruction of a father, and attend to knowing understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. Neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And with all thy getting, get understanding. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee honor, or to honor, when thou doest nor dost embrace her. She shall give thine head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory shall she deliver to thee. From here, we'll just shoot down to verse 20, where it says, quote, My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Put away from thee a froward mouth and perverse lips, and put it far, far from thee. Let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. End quote. Now this talks about searching for wisdom, keeping wisdom close to you, searching after principle, because principle is bound in wisdom. By this... We're going to know how to walk in this life and stay on the straight path of what God expects, actually. So we're going to have to pursue after what is wise and what God says is wise. He just so happened to break that down all throughout Scripture. And everything revolves around that. For instance, how many, how many commands did Moses come down from Mount Sinai with 10 you ever wonder why just 10 because you're going to see that these commands also go before Moses and the law you're going to see it during the law and you're going to see these same 10 commandments in the New Testament that means that there are moral principles that God intends man to live by. Now, Jesus, when he came on the scene in the New Testament, he took it even further than that to show the mind of God and how God thinks about sin overall. In the book of Matthew, chapter 22, starting in verse 34, it says, quote, 
But when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, talking about Jesus, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. End quote. Now, he astounded the lawyers and the Pharisees. But there's a little bit of a background to what Jesus said. We have to understand that when the law of God was given through Moses, there were 613 commandments overall in the Torah, or the five, the first five books of the Bible. There were 365 prohibitions and 248 positive commands. Then, later on, King David narrowed and simplified the law down to just 11 commands. This is found in Psalm 15. The prophet Isaiah then narrowed and simplified them from there, going down to just six commands. We see this in Isaiah chapter 33, verses 14 through 15. Micah then brought it down further to just three commands. This is found in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Finally, Habakkuk brought the list down to a single command. The just shall live by faith. And this is found in Habakkuk 2.4. Now, the New Testament also reaffirms this in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, Galatians, Galatians 3, verse 11, and Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 38. Now, Jesus' command may seem like a contradiction to Habakkuk and, of course, the Apostle Paul, who wrote Romans, Galatians, and Hebrews. But, in fact, all three concepts work hand-in-hand hand together. The two great commands given by Christ are much greater than a list of thou shalt or thou shalt nots. And it gives much more understanding as to why God tells us to do certain things or to forbid us from doing other things. And it really gives us more of an understanding as to how God views love too. But that's another message. Maybe you've heard it said that, well, Jesus went, higher than the moral standard by talking about the heart. That's very true. We see that also in Matthew chapter 5, where he takes sin and says that it basically starts in the heart, that you don't even have to touch it, but it started in the, you sinned in your heart long before you actually did it. Jesus did remind people that in his time, especially that a lot of religious people who put on their religious garb and tried to look all fancy in front of people and get the acclaim of men, that, hey, they had their reward, but they're filthy and wicked and evil on the inside. Now, in Proverbs, it forbids one to sit with a man who has an evil eye. And it makes an interesting remark about that. It says in Proverbs 23 and verse 7, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's what Jesus was talking about. He said in Matthew 5, two specific things. He says, if he's a murderer in his heart, so is he. If he's an adulterer in his heart, so is he, and so on. 
the Jews had forgotten what the purpose of the law was for, and Jesus had often reminded the Pharisees and the Sadducees of such concepts. Now, the Sadducees weren't even believers in God. That's a whole other topic for another time, and the difference between this, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. The Ten Commandments that were given in the Law of Moses, you have to think of it this way. The first four commandments deal with man's relationship with God. The last six commandments deal with man's relationship with his neighbors. Now, that's absolutely fascinating. Jesus said that, well, all of the commands, not, ju not just the moral commands of the, the Ten Commandments, but all 613 commandments that were given in the Old Testament, all were narrowed down just to two. Love the Lord God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. That was pretty astounding. So when the subject of knowing doctrine or preference, we have to keep this in mind. When we're thinking about what is right and wrong with God, we match it along these types of principles of what God considers sin or not. And then we look at the item or items or type of thing that we're doing and say, does it violate any principles by which it would then therefore violate the Lord's two commands? But how you even answer that is going to depend on how you even view the Bible. So many Christians don't see the Bible as actually relevant for today because they don't understand the law of God. The verse that states, thou shalt not smoke a cigarette. Oh, oops, there is no such verse. But we know by principle that the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we know that we need to be careful with our bodies and what we do to it. There are allowances, for instance, uh, with, say, various type of medicinal drugs that if you abuse them, they could kill you or do terrible things to you. But God gives allowances for medicine to be used properly. But when you cross the bridge and you abuse those things, then obviously you've taken it a whole nother several steps into sin. Now, the same goes for alcohol, which Proverbs expressively gives examples of the reasons to stay away from it. It says, don't even look at it in Proverbs 23, verse 31. But we also have to understand that Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 1 says that you're not wise and that you're a fool if you think that wine is good. And when it says wine in the Bible, there are many different definitions. In that specific context, it's talking about alcoholic wine. A lot of Christians today are so ignorant as to the fact that there are several definitions in Hebrew and in Greek for alcoholic and non-alcoholic wine and uh, sometimes there are neutral words that are used for either or so context would tell you how it's being used and there's also some types of variants like in Greek culture they put uh, at various times they would have a small bit of the alcoholic type wine put into clean water just a small tad bit to basically you know, add a slight flavor or kill off bacteria or whatever, however they would do it, but you could drink it all that you want. It wouldn't get you drunk. So you have words used for that type of thing. Is it alcoholic wine? No, it isn't. But you also had the word wine, uh, well, in English, but they'd have its Greek variant or its Hebrew variant that just basically meant grape juice. So we look at an uh, a, a subject like a Christian drinking alcohol 
and just think, oh, well, we're just under Christian liberty and we just do what we want. But that's not what God wants from us. And I only really bring up the subject of alcohol because that's a very popular topic that a lot of Christians will really kick against. If you think that the Bible has gray areas, then you're basically saying that there is not a biblical principle by which to live by and no answer from God. Now that's kind of dangerous, considering that God doesn't want us to be double-minded. I mean, you almost would be putting God to some sort of double standard. James 1.8 says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. Think about it like this. If you had a gray area, and we know that Satan is constantly working against God through you, or trying to at least, if you have a gray area, how do you know whether you're tending towards Satan or tending towards God's path in this so-called gray area? Now, if you appeal to principle, then now you're automatically saying that there is a principle by which we can define things. So you have, we have to think about this. It's almost as if God had anticipated man to be full of opinions and tempted to stray. And thus, he gave us his inspired word to help us along the way in this life. What is right or wrong is never based upon feelings or what you think. Nobody cares about what you think. It's about what God says. Our hearts are wicked. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I don't really care what your heart says. You shouldn't either. The scripture does have answers for us in this life to be able to walk holy before God. And it does and God does give what he expects from his children because these are the same rules and guidelines that they're going to be judged by. We are going to be judged by these things. Now, getting back to the words doctrine or preference, we need some defining principles. So preference is the act of preferring one thing to another, an estimation of one thing above another. You have doctrine is a principle or position of any science or theology, because it was once hailed as a science, the study of God, right? Whatever is laid down as true by an instructor or master. Then, of course, the word fundamental pertained to the foundation or basis serving as a foundation, hence essential, important, as a fundamental truth or principle. Interesting. If you notice that the definitions for doctrine and fundamental walk hand in hand, Understanding these two words will help you go a long way in your Christian walk. There is so much changing in the Christian realm. And so many churches are going in a direction that is tending towards the flesh rather than the spirit. Now, I've done some podcasts before speaking of the flesh and the spirit. But we really have to think about there are two directions one going toward Christ and the other going towards the Antichrist. And if you look and try to compare churches, what would that look like? That's an interesting question to ask. Then you look at principles and say, well, which churches would be following the right kinds of principles and, and which ones could be considered not doing so? There is such a call for a conformity and unity today, which, you know, hey, it sounds good at first because God wants us to be unified. But 
is what you're conforming to of God. There's a lot of pressure today, just for instance, for the church to conform and be embracing of the homosexual community. Is that what God wants? I'm pretty sure you'll find in the scriptures that's not the case. Of course, each and every Christian is going to be tempted to conform to the world's demands. But man, the church shouldn't be the one trying to do that, obviously. I mean, think about it. There used to be a time in which preachers would preach doctrines and stood on the faith about the living and, and you know living holy before God. But today, it's just a mentality of like, oh, well, just kind of be like the world in order to reach the world. That's completely different. So is that just doctrine or is it preference? How can we know how to walk in a pleasing manner unto God in this modern age? We need to have principles found in the Word of God. Finding principles contained within will essentially be a lifelong practice and study. But everything is covered for you to live godly in this modern era. I don't have to go through and give you every single principle for every single thing. The principles are there, and they are la they're layered throughout the scriptures, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament. I'm just giving you the framework by which to look at what can be considered doctrine or preference. Now, if you believe that there are gray areas, then what you're essentially saying is God just didn't keep up with the times, and he's just impotent in this modern age. So many churches today act like that. It's astounding to me. The argument comes again. Well, we just have liberty in Christ. Well, <laughs> the same verse or the same, you know, chapter in which you got that, you know, word liberty used in that reference, you got to keep reading. <laughs> Galatians chapter 5 and verse 13 says, For, brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another, end quote. <laughs> so even in that statement about liberty, you can either live under God under liberty or under the flesh. How are you going to know the difference? By principle. We have been called under liberty, which is freedom from the condemnation of the law when we stand before Christ at the judgment. It's not that the law itself just got thrown out. That's not what Paul is saying. He says that the law is good for us and it teaches us. It is the schoolmaster that points us to Christ, but it doesn't get thrown away. Now, when we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, that's a big difference. Where we're not judged by the law, we're judged uh, through Christ and are trusting him for our salvation. Now, there are various parts of the law that have been fulfilled already, and so you don't have to follow those anymore. For instance, the sacrifices. You don't have to do well actual animal sacrifices anyways. Why? Because we already have the final sacrifice in Jesus Christ. So question, does the person who is going to you know trust Christ need a sacrifice? Yes, that's Jesus Christ. He is the final sacrifice. That's what the whole point was pointing towards in the Old Testament. So it's fulfilled. You don't have to do that anymore. There are many things that are like that. But one thing that stands above all the rest is the moral law. And that's where you'll find your principles of what to do and not to do, even in a modern age. It's like, well, I have the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will just tell me, well, 
that's very subjective because I hear a lot of people who are who say goofy things saying that the Holy Spirit told them, to, you know, I would say goofy because I'm being kind, but let's just say stupid and sinful things. Oh, the Holy Spirit told me to do it. You're a bull-faced liar. The Holy Spirit is not going to tell you to do anything that's sinful or against the principles of God. That's your flesh. You're in the flesh. And like I said, there are plenty of people all throughout Scripture, the Old Testament and New Testament, who have done the same exact thing. Now, according to the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, the long passage that we read there, if wisdom is the principal thing, does it change over time or is it timeless? If God does not change, nor does his message, then why are we as Christians changing to the times? Let me give an illustration about morality. Is there anything wrong or immoral about a single line that's drawn on a piece of paper? No. But let's just say I started drawing and connecting lines that formulate a picture that has a, a, an image of a crude woman on it. Did that picture just take on morality? Yes, it did. Now, the opposite would be true if I painted a landscape scene. There's nothing immoral about it. What about a single note of music? As the notes come together, can you paint a picture that can be moral or immoral? I believe you can. Now, music, of course, is a whole other subject. Like, go back a few podcasts ago. You'll, you'll see that there about the root of Christian or pagan music. But yes, you can have moral or immoral music. What about, let's just say, spotlights in a church or removing the pulpit for a bar stool or what about a smoke machine? What about dimming the lights and rocking out, presenting some sort of concert or bar feel? Is those, are those just preference or are they doctrinally wrong? Well, the question you have to ask is, what picture are you trying to paint? I can't redefine a picture of a nude woman and say, well, it's my Christian liberty. That's ridiculous. Galatians 5.13 spells that out. So the same is true about the emerging church. We as Christians have to be able to think about this the right way and know what is pleasing to a holy and a righteous God. We need to know biblically if something can be found to be moral or immoral. And this is all based upon scripture. This is, is what's going to tell us whether something can be doctrine or associated with doctrine or be preference. Now, obviously, let's just say somebody is, somebody is like, well, I don't want smoke machines. Well, that's not a doctrine, but that might be associated with a principle that's connected to doctrine, right? So whatever we do in the church should be run that way. Everything is attached to the principles. You can make a church look and feel like the world, but it doesn't mean that you're following the principles that God set out and, and his expectation, fulfilling his expectations. I did go over a lot to think about in principle when it talks about doctrine or preference. This is how we're going to be able to figure out what to do with the various subjects in this modern world. What is doctrine and what God expects or what is just preference? There are no gray areas. The Bible can help us and give us the answers that we're looking for. Of course, 
the first thing that we have to do is be right with God before we ask such. You make sure your position with him is good and that you don't have sin in your life, obviously. But then you ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and he will guide you and help show you the way. This is so very important for our uh, modern age and Christianity. There's a lot to think about here, and I hope it's been a blessing. I want to thank you for listening, and be sure to follow us on the podcast media. Please take a look at our website, OurMightyFortress.com, and subscribe for more updates. Stay tuned next time for more great content, and remember to find your refuge and strength in Our Mighty Fortress.